0: Hi, I'm Graham McLennan, and today it's a trip across the continent from British Columbia to Michigan, where I'll be speaking with a chef who's also a writer, an entrepreneur, a teacher, and a former model. Let's get started.
1: Talking to chefs and sometimes lawyers, but always to people who love food. You're listening to the Chef Demoni podcast. Here's your host, Graham McLennan.
0: Welcome back to the Chef Timoney podcast. Thank you as always for joining me here. And if you're new to the program, welcome to Chef Timoney. This is a podcast where people share their stories about food. I try to get stories out of restaurant kitchens and into this show, along with some tips from chefs and, and sometimes others that will help you improve your home cooking game. Now, a tiny bit of housekeeping before we get to today's interview. I often say this at the end, but occasionally at the beginning, and today it's at the beginning. If you're enjoying Chef Timoni, please tell a food-loving friend about the show. And if you've got a few more minutes, please leave a star rating and perhaps even a written review for Chef Timoni. You can do that at Apple Podcasts and many of the other podcasting apps. Thank you for considering that. Okay, on to today's episode. As I mentioned last week, some recent interviews have me looking east, and today is one of them. I spoke with Chef Angela Michelle in Michigan, and Chef is the woman behind the cooking and media platform Culinary Kisses. Chef spent much of her childhood on a farm, and you'll hear today how that experience really drove home to her the importance of fresh ingredients in making delicious food. In fact, while we were speaking, Chef came up with a great way to describe just how important fresh ingredients are. To
1: me, freshness just, it's sunlight. Yes. <laughs> it's sunlight on a fork. Sunlight
0: on a fork. I love, I love that phrase. Chef started cooking herself at age six. Her mother was a cook, her father was a chef, and she started another career that lasted many years. She started modelling at age 12. Ultimately, she wrote a cookbook, and it's entitled From the Catwalk to the Kitchen. That book looks back on recipes that Chef grew up with. In fact, the whole book is a tribute to her grandmother.
1: So, this book is actually um, a tribute to my grandmother, my mom, mom, and it's recipes that I'm used to from my childhood. like staples that were on our table when we got together for you know grandma's birthday or for Thanksgiving dinner or whatever the case may be.
0: These days, Chef conducts virtual cooking classes, and as you'll hear today, she was really a pioneer in that field. She also does virtual collaborations with chefs around the world. Chef loves to travel herself, she loves to learn while traveling, and you'll hear today some of her trips and some of the tips and recipes that she picked up on her travels. Chef is a food writer, too, contributing to Cuisine Noir magazine. Healthy and plant-based cooking is really important to Chef Angela Michelle. You'll hear about some detox work she has done in our talk today. You'll also hear our discussion on vegan soul food, recreating traditional recipes, but in a more healthy way. Okay, that's enough for me in this introduction. Join me now for my talk with Chef Angela Michelle. Well, Chef Angela Michelle, thank you very much for joining me on what is a very warm summer morning here in Vancouver, at least. Thanks for being on demoni Oh, thank you.
1: Thanks for inviting me and having me. Pleasure to be
0: here. Absolutely. And we were just chatting before we started the formal part of the interview. And you're, I understand, having a pretty darn good summer in Michigan as well. Is that right?
1: Yes, uh, the temperatures have been uh, uh, very unusual, but pleasant for me. I I enjoy the hot weather. So it's been a really great summer.
0: Terrific. Well, listen, I'm tempted to dive right into Culinary Kisses, which I know is sort of your flagship business these days. But before we get there, let's go back a little earlier and, and, and perhaps a lot earlier. Is it true that you started cooking at age six?
1: <laughs> yes. Um my mom was cooking dad's the chef. So I, I got it honestly right. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yes. So so tell us about that. I think I read too that you spent much of your childhood on a farm, is that right?
1: Um a lot of it, yes. So my mom's family grew up in Mississippi. Um, you know, they had their own land, their farm their own food. Everything. So everything was made from scratch, including like butter, sausage, the whole nine. So when they migrated to Michigan, and a lot of most of my family came here, my mom and her siblings, because of the automotive industry, right? You know, back in the 60s, that was the thing. So they moved here, but my grandmother and a couple of my aunts moved to. Chessing, um, which is very much farmland in Michigan. And they kind of continued that tradition. So I spent a lot of time there. You know, you get up in the morning and you cook breakfast and then you immediately go out into the field and pick beans or peas. And, you know, you prepare them for what was then called supper. But, you know, traditionally called punch right <laughs> in yeah. the US you yeah, have breakfast lunch dinner um but that was our supper you know and that's what i was used to just even at my mom's house like we were planting a garden in the backyard and every summer we had a garden and then you know you couple that with this experience of farming you know with the fresh vegetables and even the animal stock, everything was organic before organic became, you know, mainstream and popular.
2: Right. So I,
1: I was blessed to have that experience growing up as a child and in traits for the world.
0: No doubt. How, how has that impacted your ingredient selections as a chef? Other chefs I've spoken to, you know, really hammer home the point to me that one of, and perhaps the key selections and things that a chef does is choose the right ingredients. So did growing up with access to that fresh produce influence your choice, choices you make now as a chef?
1: Um, Most definitely for me, since there really is, and I believe there really is a difference in between fresh and non-fresh. It's just the whole taste is just different and vibrant and refreshing, awakening. It's almost like the taste buds are seen when you eat something fresh. So to me, it has a huge impact. And then when I travel, I travel a lot. I love to learn from different people, different cultures. Um, how food is grown in different areas, and why is that a specific food in that area? And you come across a lot of people who grow their own food, or they go to their local farmers, and you know that's their everyday thing. Like that's normal for them. You know, across the across the world. So even in my travels and learning about different foods, everything always started with fresh. So then you couple that with you know how I grew up. It's like that's for me. That's the only way to cook. Like I can totally tell the difference in between fresh and non fresh. Like to me, fresh is it's sunlight. <laughs> it's sunlight on a fork. Sunlight on
0: a fork. I love, I love that phrase. That could, that could be the tagline to a restaurant or a podcast or something. I love it. I
1: know, you know right? Yeah. I think I might do that, right? <laughs> I think so. That's
0: great. You know, you know, the example oh, I I always come back to in my own mind, Chef, is, is pulling a carrot out of the dirt and just, you know, mm. giving it a quick wipe and eating it. It is is such a different experience from picking a carrot up at the store, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it really. (laughs) Now, there's another part of your life that I think started at a fairly early age, and we'll come back to this when we get to some of the books that you've written, um, because there's an interesting connection between these two worlds. But I understand that you have done some modeling work as well, and that started fairly early on in life. Is that right?
1: That's correct. I actually started modeling when I was 12. My mom was trying to steer me toward, you know, piano lessons and other things. But (laughs) I had an older cousin, Mona, who was a high fashion model in New York. And I wanted to be just like her. So finally at 12, my mom, um, she... Let me be in a local fashion show, and that was it. You know, I was five foot nine at twelve years old, so I, <laughs> I mostly did runway, and I did it for twenty five years, and I loved it, loved, loved, loved it. Um, I even spent a fair amount of years uh, while I was doing runway, also teaching um, other models, kids, um, everything from just you know, poison and etiquette to actual runway modeling. So I taught as well as
0: home my own craft, and I I loved it, loved it, loved it. Wow. Well, and as I say, we will come back to this because uh, later on, I do want to ask you about your books. But one of them that you've written is From from the Catwalk to the Kitchen. And one thing that I ask, um, because some of the guests I have on the show are lawyers who have a connection to the food world, and I ask about similarities between you know, the legal and the culinary worlds. I'm curious, do you see any similarities between, and modeling, let me tell you, is a completely foreign world to me. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> um, but uh, do you see any similarities between that world and the culinary world? I'm just curious.
1: Not really, no. For me, there's opposite ends of the spectrum, but they both involve uh, personal expression. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, you know, it's the only it's funny because when you said that, the first thing that popped in my mind was, you know how a couple of years ago there was this big thing about like ugly fruit or you know misfit vegetables?
2: Yes, know? yes.
1: <laughs> and it's like but we're all beautiful. That's right. <laughs> and you feel I feel the same way about food. I'm like, even though food is you know something weird about it, it's still beautiful, like that's what you enhance and that's what you focus on. So if I had to say it was one similarity, I would say it's that. You know, there everyone's beautiful in their own right, whether it's a piece of fruit, you know, or a human being. Yes. <laughs> you just have to highlight or eventually what's special and different about you and appreciate it and then others will appreciate it too.
0: Excellent. I love that answer. Well, let's move now into the, the the current work that you're doing, Chef, and into Culinary Kisses. I'll just ask you to give us an overview. But as I understand, it was born about eight years ago. And through this platform, you're doing so much. I see virtual cooking classes, corporate wellness programs, private cooking lessons, themed cooking parties, so much going on. Tell us what it's all about. So,
1: I'm picking up from the, the modeling career at 25 years, and then... You know, I heard a little nuts, you know, so I kind of got quiet and listened and I heard it was time to stop modeling. And I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Because so I'm one of those people that always have to have several items in the fire. And my agents were like, okay, you're really seriously thinking about retiring from modeling? Like, are you crazy? And I'm like... <laughs> I don't want to. (laughs) But, you know, I I obeyed that small voice. And then I I kind of retired from that. I I still remember my last fashion show. It was actually on my birthday. So it, it couldn't have ended better than that. But then I kind of got still and I dreamt the name Culinary Kisses. And that's when I knew it was time to cook. Because the whole time I was modeling, people were like, Write a cookbook. Open a restaurant. I'm like, I'm really not trying to hear any of that right now. You know, I, I kept cooking because that was my thing. I always cook for myself, family, friends, whatever. Um, but not professionally. Like, that was never in my head to do. Like, that was never a goal of mine. But when I dreamt the name and I heard Now's the Time, and that's how Culinary Sisters was born. I literally started doing virtual cooking classes eight years ago. Like I know it's the fad now because of coronavirus. Yes. Um, but I've been doing it for eight years back when nobody was doing it. Like literally I did a search and nobody was doing it. So I'm I'm happy to see all the excitement over virtual cooking classes now.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's really become a thing. And and I remember reading that that you were one of if not perhaps the first chef <laughs> doing the virtual virtual work how did that come about and what what platform were you using early on because technology has evolved so much in the last few years too
1: yeah so when i started doing it there wasn't many choices for me um, i actually used a platform that was developed in europe and it was a little cumbersome it didn't offer everything that i wanted but you know it was doable for what i was trying to accomplish So when Zoom came along, I mean, I did my little happy dance. I'm like, oh, finally, (laughs) technology has caught up to my brain and my inventions. Yes, yes. You can imagine. I was more than excited. Uh, Um, So, yeah, then I switched over to Zoom and I've been Zooming along ever since. But it's been amazing. It's been an absolutely amazing journey to go from explaining what it is to someone and their eyes light up. And like, oh my God, what a great idea. You know, that sounds cool. I can't believe you're doing that. So now everybody trying to figure out how to do it because coronavirus. Sure. So it's just interesting to me to see all of this evolution over the, uh, the virtual cooking classes. I love it. Love it, love it.
0: Absolutely, and, and and I understand you do some. And I think these might these days, I guess they would be virtual collaborations. But you're you do work with other chefs around the world, is that right?
1: I do. Um, just from the different travels that I do and meeting different chefs, working with different cooks, uh, farmers, the whole nine. I've met a lot of people. Um, so a few years ago, I actually started doing collaborative virtual cooking classes where I will co-teach a class with um, another chef. So actually this Saturday I have one coming up with a chef in Barcelona and we've been doing Spanish cuisine and conversations. It's been our, our, um, our theme for our classes. So last month we did a Spanish tapas class and I made two tapas and he made two tapas and just conversing and he's talking about, you know, different things from Spain or, you know, different crazy things we did when I was in Spain visiting and learning and researching and just reminiscing on stories. And even some of those students in our class kind of chimed in. A couple of them had been in Spain. So then they talked about their culinary experience and the food and what was this dish called? You know, that type of thing while everybody's cooking together. So It was such a cool experience.
0: It's amazing. So it sounds like travel and collaboration has been a longstanding or longstanding important factors to your cooking. Is that right? Like getting together with other chefs and learning directly collaborating and seeing what you can create.
1: For me, it's been, I don't know, probably personal research. Like even when I was modeling, like back in my early teens, I last year I was digging through a storage bin in my basement. And I found an old notepad where I had written out different spices and talked about the health benefits of them. So a lot of it's been personal research on my own, hmm. um, whether it's reading or travel has a lot to do with it for me. Definitely travel. Um, but for me, it's reading research. Um, all of that inquisitiveness has actually led me to receive, um, well, I didn't receive it, I earned it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a certificate in plant-based nutrition um, because I, I love that. I actually started out two years pre-med. That was my first my first college selection was to be a doctor. So I think that whole, how the body works, how the cells in your body respond, you know, how to help ward off different diseases. So that part of my brain is working with the, the chef part of my brain and, you know, food and spices and trying to bring all that together. So I think that's what really led me to my interest in plant-based nutrition. Right. But for me, it's all full circle, like everything comes together. It's, come together now and i'm very interested in see where it's going to lead to in the next five ten years
0: right and see where it goes from here can you tell us more chef about both about plant-based eating and about the work that you're doing for healthy eating generally because that's a theme in a couple of your books and i know from your website that culinary kisses offers these wellness programs corporate wellness programs So it seems that not just creating beautiful food for people is important to you, but helping them to understand what it can do for their health matters.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people I've talked to, just general people, you know, when you say healthy food, they automatically think tasteless. Like, And I'll ask them, I'm like, okay, so why are you making that face when I say healthy food? And that's the main response I get is it doesn't taste right. Or, you know, I've tried and it doesn't taste the same. You know, it's always something about taste. So it's like I subconsciously made that my goal to make make healthy, fresh food taste good. And that's my thing. That's what I love to do. I love the challenge. I love it when someone says, "Mm mm-mm. Not going to eat a <laughs> Had of once as a kid. It was nasty. I'm never eating it again in my life. You know, I'm like, right. I challenge you. Like right here and now, challenge.
2: <laughs>
1: so that's what I love to do. Um, I'm actually in the process of developing a corporate wellness program. And I do I offer um, healthy food and um, nutrition consultations to individuals. Um, whoever, you know, reaches out to me, I try to do that a la carte based on and what their needs are and what their health issues are. So I don't do cookie cutter consultations, for example. I like to make everything personal and about that person because we're all different. We all have different needs. um, We all have different things going on. Um, So I try to tailor make something specifically for my clients and that's been a huge part of my success so far. Right,
0: Right, right. Actually paying attention to that individual connection. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah. because that's what we all want, right? No matter what it is, that's what we want. No one wants to be talked at. No one wants to, you know, be a number in a a million people. You know, we all want that individual, personalized, one-on-one. Give me your attention. You know, what about me? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Everyone, everyone wants that, and everyone deserves that too. Everyone deserves that.
0: Sure. Sure. I think I think I heard you talk about this on another podcast that I heard you on, Chef, but you were talking about the name of where Culinary Kisses comes from. And this comes back to the connection and community. And it was related to a tradition within the African-American community about taking food to each other. Is that right? And so I'd, I'd love to hear your comments on that and its connection to Culinary Kisses and and really just this whole idea of human connection.
1: Yeah. So... It wasn't just about, so, well, so for example, let me give you an example. So when someone passes away in the African-American community, what we do is we prepare food and we take it to our loved ones and we say, here, you know, food is an expression of love for us. So even you think about, you know, your Sunday dinners after church, for me, it was like holidays at my grandma's house. Everyone was there cooking, laughing, talking. You know, playing games, just being out in the yard, playing, you know, whatever the case may be. So food has always been some sort of an expression of love or appreciation, no matter if it's a happy occasion or a sad occasion. And I think that's where the name came from, because like I said, it kind of came to me as a dream. So I'm like, I wanted to do something that had something to do with food and love. So that's how Culinary Kisses came about, because you think Any nationality in the world, like no matter where I've traveled, a kiss is a symbol of love. It's like, hi, friend, haven't seen you in a while, or a loved one, or a spouse, you know, or a mother and child, you know, whatever the case may be, a kiss symbolizes love. And that's what came to me was culinary kisses. Um, and that's what I made my
0: company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. You know, it seems to me that in, in all of these endeavors, and this is one thing that I've heard from, from people in the legal world when they talk about food and some similarities between the two industries, is that what really matters at the end of the day is the human connection. And so these mm-hmm. pursuits that we have although they're important in and of themselves and as people who love food of course we want to create and share delicious food but really the joy in that is seeing the reaction in other people right when we come together and share it
1: yes definitely 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 yes <laughs> it's it's about that the spark in someone's eye when they taste something and it's taste good to them, you know, and get that, mmm, some people start to moan, some people start to rock back and forth, you know. It's the, <laughs> whole, it's the whole reaction or response you get to something that tastes good to it, you know, it just makes us feel good.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Chef, can you pick a couple of highlights from your travels? I'm curious, you've mentioned Spain. If you could pick one or two others, I'd love to hear about either uh, experiences or ingredients or specific dishes that you discovered on your travels that really made a difference to you?
1: Mm, okay. So uh, there's a couple. Um, Jamaica, Ocho Rios. Um learning about the authentic way to prepare jerk chicken, the type of wood you use, the spices, the seasonings. It, it's amazing how, oh, it's, it's the earthy feel of it to me. You know like I said you use a specific type of wood and the ingredients and the spices you use it's it's earthy you know with a hint of spice um so that was something that was special for me. Another thing was I've actually been to Cuba a couple of times and I trained under a home cook there who was absolutely fabulous. Um, they change my my black bean game for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, tell us how. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like Cuban black beans, man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's actually these um sofritos that you start with. It's mm-hmm. a combination of um, peppers and onions and spices, and just how you, Combine the ingredients together. The technique of actually preparing the sofritos, when to add the sofritos to the uh, black beans, and then also how to finish them because there's a couple of ingredients you add at the end to finish everything, and it just brings everything together. And when you bite into that black bean, it just bursts with flavor. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. So that was that was another one of my uh, my culinary discoveries that I've I've. Um, Oh, so appreciate it.
0: No doubt. Is this going to be the subject of a virtual cooking
1: class by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like, you know, where do I sign yeah, up? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's funny. What I do is I offer, well, before COVID, I did a themed cooking party. So that kind of married two things together. One is my travels all over the world and the different types of food I've learned how to prepare authentically. And two, the gathering of like family and friends, it kind of goes back to that childhood family love thing that I had going on. So it's literally a group of people coming together. We have the theme from food. If you want to do clothes, if you want to dress according to the theme, you can, according to theme, we'll decorate, we'll have music. You know, if you want beverages, alcohol or non-alcoholic, we'll, you know, do that also. So everything is around, let's say if we're going to do Cuban, you know, everything is kind of centered around that Cuban thing. And it's so much fun because people really get into it. I've done this for birthday parties, for book clubs, church groups, you know, Girl Scouts. I mean, (laughs) everything, every (laughs) different type of group you can think of, Um, even a divorce party. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah yeah true. yeah it's, it's been really fun <laughs> i was gonna say
0: that's that sounds so, like a, a party where you where people will need connection and humanity around them for sure yes yeah.
1: yes 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> so that's how that um service that i offer came about it kind of marries those two things together and and to me it's just to see everyone sitting around talking laughing cooking together just reminds me of that magic i had and growing up and being surrounded by my
0: family. All right, wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit more now, Chef, if you would, about, we'll start with what I see are the two sort of fitness-related books. You've got a a five-day detox and then a a daily food and fitness journal. Um, What do those offer?
1: Yeah, so last year I started a Facebook group called the Culinary Kissers, (laughs) Haha, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I share a lot. <laughs> I share a lot more uh, with my culinary sisters group um, than I do, you know, I just on my regular social media platform. So I was sharing, oh, I'm gonna start detoxing. You know, this something I do every spring and fall. And then people started asking me, oh, what do you do to detox? You know, so then I started posting daily what I was doing, and then at the end, I'm like, people asking for like all the information. I'm like, wait a minute you know, I really just read a book and didn't realize it. So (laughs) it turned into, that was actually the first book, like the whole detox process. And then some people who joined the group later, they were like, well, how did you even start talking? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, duh. You know, stuff that's kind of easy to me because I've been doing it for so many years. Other people want to get into it, have no clue. So then that's how to prepare for a detox came about. Like, what do you want to buy? How do you clean out your refrigerator? How do you stock your pantry? So that's kind of where that book came from. And then within the next couple of weeks or so, I'm going to release a detox cookbook. So this is like everything that I eat, drink, and breathe while okay. <laughs> I'm doing a detox. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, you need to starve yourself for 30 days. No, you, know, you still need to get your nutrients and vitamins and everything. But if you can um, detox for five days, um, you can even detox for ten days. Like that's pretty much you know a good place to start for both people. Like I said before, everybody's body is different. But yeah, so I'm gonna release a cookbook, so it'll be a three book series, the preparation of the detox, the actual detox, and then a cookbook that'll help you decide what to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks during the detox.
0: During the detox, <laughs> fantastic. And is, yes, is it yes. is it predominantly or exclusively plant-based?
1: Uh, yes, it pretty much is plant based. Um, during a detox, I eliminate for the most part meat and, and um, meat byproducts. There definitely isn't any meat. Um, you know, in some smoothies, if you want to use honey, you can use honey. You know, um, there's some byproducts here and there, but uh, it is. 99% plant-based.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, makes sense. And the and the, the yeah. other book that I know about that I made reference to a little bit earlier from The Catwalk to the Kitchen, and this one is subtitled A Collection of Healthy Southern Recipes. So tell us a bit about what we're going to find in that book.
1: So this book is actually um, a tribute to my grandmother, my mom, mom, and it's recipes that I'm used to from my childhood, like staples that were on our table. When we got together for, you know, grandma's birthday or for Thanksgiving dinner or whatever the case may be. So in my years of research and trying different ingredients and seeing what goes where and and matching things and trying to create that same flavor that comes with eating soul food, but make it healthier. So that actually took me a few years. I did a lot of trial and error. I spent a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. spent a lot of time in the kitchen developing recipes. Also testing the recipes with different people. You know, young, old, different nationalities. I'm, I'm like, how does this taste to you? You know, and especially in an African-American community. Know, like I wouldn't even tell them it was healthy. I would hear try okay. this. You know, i am be like, oh, this is good. Give me some more. And as yeah. they're eating, I'm like, what is this? What are you putting here? And I'm like, you know, I name off the ingredients. And they're like... Wait a minute, there's no meat?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How'd that happen?
1: (laughs) But, But it tastes like, I'm like, oh, that's what I was looking for. Yes. So that's, yes, yes. It's like, how do you do soul food, but still keep that authentic flavor of soul in the food? And for me, like I said, there's a research and trials and error, but I think, in my opinion, I finally came up with the magical code. <laughs> 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 and it needs recipes in, in my book, From the Catwalk to the Kitchen. So I'm particularly Particularly proud of this
0: one, close to my heart. Yeah, yeah, love it. Chef, can you give us an overview? Because I could certainly use it. What and I'll ask two questions. Soul food generally, and then maybe we can take a specific dish. Because I heard you mention this one on another show as well. And I think it was the lima beans that you referred to as vegan soul food. So what 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 captures soul food? Oh, what captures soul food? I
1: think it's everything from what our DNA recognizes that our ancestors ate when we were in Africa. You know, you think about there's a debate between yams and sweet potatoes, but you think about the yam, you know, and how the yam was used in cuisine, still now in Africa, for cuisine and for and for monetary reasons, you know, trading services. So you take a yam and for example, I have a sweet potato pie recipe in here that's totally vegan. So you think, okay, wait a minute. What about the butter? Like, that's the first question I get. Is, what <laughs> sure. about the butter? Yep. I'm like, trust me, I have a great substitute. Like, you won't be able to tell the difference, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's still capturing that essence. Another thing that's caused a lot of um, a hoopla is vegan collard greens. Like, to most people, it's like vegan and collard greens can't go together. You have to have smoked meat in your collard greens. Mm. So for me, it was about developing that flavor of smoked meat without actually using smoked meat in the recipe. And that was a huge trial and error thing for me. That was one of the recipes that took the longest to develop because I had to get it just right. The (laughs) collard greens for Black people is like, gold you know it's like if you don't make collard greens right then something's wrong <laughs> something's wrong okay. it's like collard greens and cornbread like you have to have that that's a staple for us and even the cornbread recipe in here doesn't have any dairy in it so it's like where's the milk where's the butter what's going on yeah um so for me it was literally about working down flavors and taste to to build up a a rich flavor profile so it would hold up and even smell even the smell still smells like you're cooking collard greens with meat in it, and it's not.
0: Wow can Can you give us one or two yeah. tips on on how you achieve that? What What goes in there <laughs> that takes the place? <laughs> Come on, chef. We gotta get um, We gotta get the inside so, track here. I know you gotta buy the book.
1: <laughs> man. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I I used a couple of ingredients that will mimic a smoky flavor. Okay. <laughs> I'll say that about the collard greens. Okay. And then another one is I used a traditional ingredient that originated in Africa that we don't cook with a lot these days, but it added just that special something to the collard greens. It's readily available. Just don't use it that much anymore. Okay. So it's something I had to kind of go back to the ancestors and discover and, and add it back into uh, my recipes.
0: So. Okay. Love it. I, lo- I love that you've yeah. given a little bit of information, but not quite enough. That's very well done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. See, that goes back to my modeling days. You yeah. know, being a spokesmodel comes in handy. It comes in
2: handy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great.
0: Um, just a few more questions, Chef. One name that I've seen associated with yours is a chef that I, I don't know personally, but I certainly have followed his work and eaten at uh, Red Rooster when we've been in Harlem. And that is Marcus Samuelson. And I understand that you yes. you have appeared. Tell us about that. Tell us about your experience. Experience with uh, with Chef Marcus.
1: Yeah, so Chef Marcus has been a, a culinary mastermind for me. Like I absolutely love and adore his words, his everything, and he is to me just the ultimate chef. Um, I've actually had two experiences with him and meeting him in person. One was my husband and I uh, were walking down the street in Detroit. There's a famous market here called Detroit Eastern Market. It's actually the oldest farmer's market in the U.S. And walking down the street and I passed by somebody. And my brain, without even thinking, I go, Marcus? Uh. (laughs) You know, not Steph Marcus or Mr. Samuelson. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Marcus. (laughs) I I felt like I knew him personally, so it came out, Marcus. And he's on the phone. And he looks up, he looks at me, he smiles and he waves and keeps talking on the phone. And I immediately lose it. Like, I look (laughs) at my husband, I go, oh my God. (laughs) 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 So I do my little, you know, starstruck dance to kind of hang around. And he literally gets off the phone, comes over and talks to us, takes a picture with me. And I am elated. Like, it's awesome. Now, fast forward to... Last year, my husband and I uh, went to New York before I actually heading over to Barcelona. We did a, a multi-city trip. So we did New York City, did a list in Portugal, and we did Barcelona same. Oh, wait, I forgot Amsterdam. We also did Amsterdam as well. So we stopped in New York City. and I'm like, oh, I have to go to the restaurant, right? Like my husband already right, knows. He's like, yeah, I know you're going to the restaurant. So we go there. i like, oh, I wonder if he's here, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I walk in, I don't see him. But my husband does. He spots uh-huh. him right away. So he gets him over to the table, and I've made my husband like lug. I have several books of his, and I had I made my husband lug like two books <laughs> a plane. I can't check them; I have to have them until the whole time, right? So he signs these books, and we take more pictures. So yeah, he's my he's my culinary idol. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs>
0: that is fantastic. And tell us about the cook the book challenge. What was the connection there?
1: Yeah, so that was was actually me following his social media. He had a contest where people could do a a cook-the-book challenge. So he literally posted some of his recipes, and his followers prepared the recipes and submitted their uh, information, and um, they chose a winner, and I actually won one of the contests. I was so
2: happy.
0: Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Just a few more questions, chef. I wonder, this is something I, I ask virtually every chef I talk to, and it's uh, me trying to share with my listeners knowledge and expertise from the pros that my listeners can use in their own kitchen. So is there something, uh, it could be either a dish that's really easy to prepare or perhaps a technique or even a piece of equipment that, home cooks maybe aren't thinking about but should be what is a what's a quick and easy tip a way for people to improve their own home cooking game
1: so whenever someone asks me that the first thing that comes to mind and something i truly stand by and believe 100 percent is to get proper knife skills
2: mm-hmm.
1: proper knife skills will save you a ton of time in the kitchen It'll help with your in presentation of how beautiful your food looks because no matter what anyone says, you do eat with your eyes first. But like <laughs> you look at something and judge, like, "Oh, that doesn't taste so good," or "That's a hot mess. I'm not eating that."
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you that's go true. From
1: one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. to the other, and it all starts with knife skills. It's a broad way to actually bring everything together for the home cook, and it provides improvement across the board. If you get proper knife skills down, to me, that's like a huge chunk of the game. You're winning it automatically.
0: Yes. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Love it. In fact, when I first started in restaurant kitchens, and that was about 12 years ago, just volunteering. I was so paranoid about looking like the amateur I was that I went to the library and I checked out, uh, you know, sort of the original Julia Child book oh. because it had a oh. great it had a great section on knife skills. And, uh, you know, I just practiced in my home kitchen. <laughs> so, it, nice. Yeah.
1: Love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, agree. I
1: love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's something that I do. I teach through virtual cooking classes, believe it or not. Um, I have several cameras set up. So the way my cameras are angled, you get a perfect view of my fingers, my hands, my cutting boards, and it's very, very close up. So I, I love to teach knife skills virtually as well. That's definitely possible. Even <laughs> in these days and the age of coronavirus.
0: Even these days, yes, indeed. Well, and that brings me to my last question, Chef, which is where best for people to find you, to learn more about you and Culinary Kisses and, and to follow along with the story.
1: Uh, okay. So my website is culinarykisses.com. Um, all of my services are listed on there. All of my books are available on my website, also on Amazon. So, if you Google "culinary kisses" or Chef Angela Michelle, you'll find out probably more than what you want to know about me. <laughs> um, all over social media platforms, I handle is at Culinary Kisses. So i was, I was lucky enough to and to invoke that business degree that I earned. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, I uh, did some great marketing. So, no matter where you look, if you look Culinary Kisses, you will find me. So. We do live. I actually, a couple of days ago, did a um, cooking live on Facebook. Um, I have IGTV on my Instagram. So I'll, I'll upload things there. YouTube, I have a lot of cooking videos on YouTube. I have a blog. My blog is named after my, my precious book here, From the Cat to the Kitchen. I thought it was a perfect name for a blog, too. So I have a lot of recipes posted there. Um, and like I said, I have a Facebook group, Public Culinary Kisses. Um, But yeah, we're we're everywhere. Just Google my name. um, I'll pop up. You'll pop (laughs) up.
0: I love it. I will. Terrific. (laughs) Well, Chef, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you for being on Chef Timoni.
1: Yes, I did. Thank you so much. This has been a great experience. And thank you again for having me. I truly do appreciate it.
0: What a fun talk. Chef, thank you so much for joining me. I will, of course, put links in the show notes so that all of you can find Chef. Although, as she says, googling culinary kisses will help you to find her very easily as well. Thank you for joining me here for Chef demoni as always. The next full episode that you'll hear is going to be another one from the East, and this is my discussion with my friend, Chef Shane Robilliard. Shane works at Fox Harbor Resort now. It sounds like an absolutely idyllic place. I'm really excited to share this interview with you. It's another fun one. You won't want to miss it. Okay, that's all for today. Stay safe. Stay well. I'm Graham McLennan, and I'll see you next time, right here on Chef Demoni.